to the OK Beats podcast episode 17. Um, and also, welcome to Pixel Pulse Radio episode 51. That is right, we are doing a crossover episode. I am one of your hosts, Blessing Adioye. Joining me this week is Alex Van Aken. What's up, Alex? What is up? Also joining me this week, we have, from Pool Police Games, Austin Gantner. What's up, Austin? How are you doing, Blessing? How are you guys today? Exhausted. Me too. A we are streaming live currently. Um, right now, we have an audience of maybe 15 watching us. Um, we are about 15 and a half hours into Extra Life, um, which, is, which is a very tiring stream. Um, it's a lot of fun, though. It is a lot of fun. I've enjoyed yeah. it so far. Like, as much as I complain, like, it, it's yeah. a blast. Uh, it's been, it's, it, things have happened. It's been a very eventful stream. Um, we started off. Start off horribly. No video. Start off like for an hour. I was really stressed out. The first half hour of the thing of the stream was me was us setting up, and me throwing up, and literally, yeah, literally throwing up. I was literally sick. Um, Basically, Murphy's law was in effect. Yeah, and everything that could go wrong went wrong, uh, and so. But now we're here, and now everything's working, and now we're 15 hours into the extra life stream, and so shout out to all the people that have been with us until now, um, especially shout out to uh, Fiona for helping us out during. Uh, the first couple hours. Shout out to Zyger for helping us with the mods. Shout out to Govax. Um, and all the people I've missed. Um, because there's a lot There's a lot of you guys. Too many for me to list. Um, but we are here. Um, and we are recording a crossover episode of the podcast. Very special episode. Um, like I said, we got Austin Gantner of Pool Police Games. Um, indie developer. We have Alex Van Aken. If you're not familiar, familiar with him, get familiar. Um, host of Pixel Pulse Radio. Uh, dope dude. Post-Post Radio, of course, if you don't know, is a podcast. Uh, the number one stepfather, stepson podcast. Yes, that's true. There you go. And OK Beast, again, is a gaming and nerd culture-centric show uh, where a couple of friends come together and talk about what's going on in our world. Um, and so make sure to check out both of our podcasts on iTunes. Um, let's start. Usually we start with what's going, what have we been up to this week? Sure. And I guess we can still do that, but we'll be very brief, brief about it so we can have more time for the topics and the questions. Um, so for me, what I've been up to this week, uh, has not been much. I've watched Westworld. Um, Westworld is awesome. Still good. Still being great. No complaints about the show yet. I have a lot of theories about the show. Um, but he's doing great, amazing things. Um, I've also been playing, I've I've been playing Mario Party just to get, like, get set up for the stream, even though I don't think we're going to play Mario Party on the stream. Um, but I've been playing it anyway and it's been fun. I've been playing Banjo-Kazooie. I talked about that last week on the podcast. Um... So apart from that, I've just been trying to prepare for the stream, um, and we're here, and that preparation has kind of paid off, um, at least a bit. I mean, if not to its full potential, enough for it to be successful. Um, so that's me. What have you guys been up to? I have been playing Ocarina of Time a lot on my 3DS. Oh, yes. Um, I, I haven't had a lot of time to sit down and play games uh, for the past two weeks or so, uh, just because I've just been busy playing this. I'm... I'm recording a Christmas EP. Uh, I've I've just been busy, um, but yeah, I've been playing Ocarina. I've been playing, been trying to play some Overwatch. Got some skins, some Halloween skins before that ended. Um, but yeah, that's what I've been playing. Mm-hmm. How about you, Austin? Yeah, so mostly I've been preparing for this as well. Uh, the number of hours that Alex and I have spent together over the last two weeks preparing for this nauseating. Yeah, I'm sick of you. <laughs> no, we, I think we need a break. Yeah. Seriously, though, I mean, the setup 
I should, we should take a picture of all the cables and the number of consoles. It looks like the apocalypse in here. Like, it looks great on camera. You can just see us. I don't think it looks great on camera. All right. Well, I mean, us, see I think we look, yeah. we look... We look great. We look great on camera. Yeah. Okay. If you, like, As usual. If okay. you, like, shot the camera around, though, it looks crazy yeah. up in here. Yeah. But anyway, so a lot of prep on that. Uh, I, I can't think of anything else that I've done. We played some Gears of War together. That's true. We did. That was fun. Was, some Horde mode. Yeah, that was my first time playing Horde mode. I just I just got Gears. I actually bought the, the Xbox One S Gears edition because um, I wanted the game, and it's my first Gears game. But the controller is sick, by the way. Yes, it is. For those of you... The Xbox One controller it. in general is, like, nice. I only bought an Xbox One, as listeners may know, like, very recently, and that controller is probably one of the best controllers ever, I've ever used. Uh, it's really... It, 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 it just Hefty. works. It just works. Yeah. Um, Bethesda. And so, yeah, that's what we've been up to. And so we'll get into topics immediately. This is going to be a shorter episode. Very short. Uh, because just keep it within the, the podcast or the stream schedule. Um, and so we ha- we'll have maybe like about 30 minutes left, um, which is good. Actually, that's good timing to get into topics. And so um, the first topic, my topic, uh, is why we play. Why do we play games? Uh, uh, for me, I, I play games for the social experience. For the moments like like we are right now, gathered around a, gathered on a couch, playing games all night, that like defined my childhood. For I think for the same for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've I've talked about this before. If I if I look back on the games that uh, I really adore, the, the World of Warcrafts, the Halos, the Viva Pinatas, you know the the Splinter Cell, they they all relate back to a social experience I had with the game. Um, you know I I think. I enjoy playing games solo, um, but I, I am naturally drawn to like uh, social games because of that. Mm-hmm. And even even if I'm just playing a single player game, but gathering around um, at my friend's house after after like a weekend and like just talking and talking about the game that we've all been playing, even even if it's single player, we're just all like doing that water cooler talk. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I play games. Nice, uh, Austin. I'm the same way. I actually, <laughs> I actually don't have much to add. Even he nailed it. Um, like, I can give a specific example. Meat Boy, one of the reasons I pulled that up a second ago is because it's one of my go-to, like, favorite games. And even though it's single player, you can just relate to the frustration with other people. I think there's also, um, especially with that game, an added, like, sense of accomplishment, I guess. Like, the difficulty of a game or the experience. Like, there's enjoyment in the game itself. Like, even if I didn't have friends that played, I would still enjoy games. Not here as much, but, um, Yeah. Like Limbo, for example, great experience. I still need to play Inside. But... Oh, dude, you have to play Inside. It's really good. Inside oh, is amazing. If Chase Williams is in the chat, he will for sure. Oh, dude, Chase Williams inside. is passionate about Inside. We we recorded a spoiler cast about Inside uh, that you guys should check out. Um, but yeah, he put he put the words uh, he took the words right out of my mouth about why that game is amazing, as amazing as it is. Um, uh-huh. It just feels so. Everything just feels like it has purpose. Everything is just so coordinated. Like, no death feels like it wasn't planned. Yeah. Like, every time you lose in that game, it feels like the developers are like, yeah, you're going to lose in this specific way if you, if you lose at this part. Everything, totally. just, everything just feels so controlled and so, like... It, it's almost the idea of, like, in, intelligent design of, like... Like, the way, like, Christians, like, think of intelligent design. Of, like, there's a god that, like, has a guiding hand and all, all, all these things, right? It feels the same way while playing that game of, like... Man, everything he, everything here just feels... Like there's a guiding hand. Um, put together. It's very well put together. Um, yeah. And so, 
Um, yeah, Inside is dope. I think for me, uh, the reason why I play, uh, I think I play more for story than anything. Like if I look at my favorite game series, it's Metal Gear Solid. And I play yeah. Metal Gear Solid because of the story. Um, because I really, it's very anime and it's very deep and it's very nonsensical, but it's very interesting at the same time. And I think I hear a lot of people talk about how game story or video games don't tell stories as well as other mediums such as movies and TVs. And I agree and disagree. I think video games are often like cheesy and whatnot. Video games can kind of like fall into like the habit of trying to be like a movie um, yeah. or following like trying to follow the same mold and then not feeling as natural because it's not a movie. But I do feel like video games have the unique thing of allowing the player to be in the world of the story that is telling. And so I get to experience the story in a different way than I would be if I was watching the movie. Um, and so like something like Zelda, right? Um, I play as Link. Link is also a silent protagonist. And so Link is almost like an avatar for you to project yourself onto him. And there's no movie that I, that I think can do that. Um, I'm sure there are movies out there like there's that one first person movie where it's like all free running and all GoPro and crazy and stuff. Yeah. Um, but even even like stuff like that, it doesn't do it as well as something I think as um, like just like I was going to say Justin Bieber for some reason, like um, The Legend of Zelda. And so I think for me, story, um, social experience to some to an extent, uh, competitive competitiveness. Uh, competition to an extent, I guess. Uh, but I think for me, mostly, is to experience like a new world or a new story that I haven't before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how sums that up. Uh, the LH, the LHZ. I think that's Luke. Uh huh. In chat, he said in chat, the sound design on inside is so good. Love all of the creepy underwater sections. Yeah, the creepy water se- underwater sections in inside are amazing. Um, Alex, you played inside? I have. What do you think of inside? I really like it. Yeah. It's a dope game. It's a really good game. I think it it, it expounds on everything that that Limbo was mm-hmm. in, a, in a great way. Limbo, I it's played, different, but it, I, I like it. I, yeah, like it's it's the beginning of that game is really cool. Which one? Inside. Inside. Yeah, I like I like how it begins. I I just like how things unfold. Yeah. Um, in that game, it's just like thing. It's just off putting, and you, and for a while you're like, just what is happening. Um, and I think that's really cool in the game how how it all plays out. Nice. Um, so our, we're gonna go into our next topic, which is indie game development. But before we do that, I want you guys in chat to queue up your questions, um, just so that we, when we get to the question block, we can um, be ready um, and read questions off the bat. Um, but but before then, let's do our next topic, which is indie game development. And the reason why we have this topic is because we do have an indie game developer with us named Austin Gantner. Uh, yes. Who is part of Pool Police Games? Um, and do you want to give like a quick like synopsis of Pool Police Games and the game you're working on? Yeah. So Pool Police Games was a group of friends in college uh, that just thought it'd be fun to make a game, and so we did. Um, the game is called Faded, and uh, it's a 2D action platformer where you start the game in back black and white. As you play, you unlock color, which brings uh, color back into the world. It brings magic back into the world that both you and your enemies are able to take advantage of. Uh, and it has a unique aspect where you can play the first three levels in any order that you want so that the colors 
uh, are unlocked in different orders, and you can go back and replay it, and it'll be a little bit of a different experience on each level. Hmm. That's nice. cool. That's, um, the, that's the two-second pitch. You can tell I've done it a few times. Oh, yeah, I think it's a great, uh, great quick pitch. So what is what is it about indie development that's different from AAA development that you think that people should know that they might not even know? So one thing that I think people like would say that they know if you ask them, but they never really take the time to really like ingest it and conceptualize it is, um, well, first of all, there's, there's a bunch of different types of indie, right? Yeah. But part of, you know, making the game is it's a startup company. You know, it is a business sort of, um, or, or an art form, you know, either you find funding and you work on it full time and it's super risky because, you know, you're going to run out of funding and the game may or may not be done. I do not fall in that category. The other category is people that like work on it, still have full-time jobs and like heavy lives and, uh, just work on it in their spare time. And so when you have things like game delays and stuff, um, <laughs> you don't know, you, you know, with a team of five people, one person can't work on it for a month and that kills progress at a triple a, even though they're quote unquote small, mm-hmm. there's still a lot of people. Hmm. Um, and that's their full-time job. That's their livelihood. So they put a lot into it. Um, do you want me to like kind of go through like my example of that or yeah, you can, if you want. So like we went to PAX South 2015 uh, in January, and then between then and now, I graduated college, I proposed, I went to Europe for a month, uh, Liz and I planned our wedding, we got married, I moved to Colorado, I started a job at Google, I've been at Google for over a year, and like, working there, you know, is somewhat taxing in the sense that if I am tired of programming, I need to put that job first rather than working on the game, mm-hmm. otherwise I'm going to get burnt out. Because I can't just not work at Google, you know, or yeah. not work on my work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you put all that over the last two years, and it goes surprisingly slow. And I'm hoping to pick it back up a lot more. Um, and it can come across as excuses, but it's just interesting, like, to hear kind of people's life stories in reference to indie games. Because it's so personal, and it's such a, like, a big part of who they are and what they do. Um, that it definitely comes out in at least kind of the path there, if not in the game itself. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, speaking of about your just indie game design and just more specifically your game. Sure. Uh, Zyger1337 in the chat. He wants to know. He says, Austin, which PAXs are you going to next year? If any, are you going to be showing off the game more at PAX? Yeah. So great question. Um, we will not be going next year. Uh, so we went once pretty early in the game yeah. to try to like kick off our Kickstarter and our Steam Greenlight, um, which we made it through Greenlight. We did not, make it, did not make it through Kickstarter, unfortunately. What we're probably going to do is wait until um, the game is in sort of a beta state or like it, we have a release date in mind before we go to PAX again. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason for that is it costs a few thousand dollars to go to PAX and that comes straight out of my pocket. Wow. Um, so is that like booth fees or is that travel mostly? What is, what is, so the booth that we paid for was 1200 bucks and then we had to get five people to San Antonio. Uh, four of us drove in a car and we flew in Deneen cause she, um, is 
where is she? North, northeast. Um, sorry, I don't remember. Denine. Um, <laughs> Boston, I think. Anyway, um, and then you have to so like to make it work for me. I brought my personal computer. I have a twenty-seven inch iMac, and I set that up on the the like the showcase floor with my own controller and let a couple hundred people play on it because we couldn't afford to do anything else. Um, but normally you have to pay for like a TV to rent or mm-hmm. a computer to rent. Um, because you know, if somebody just picked up my Mac and walked off with it in the middle of the night, <laughs> I would have been out a few grand, you know, those computers yeah. are really expensive. Um, so if we're going to go again, we, pro- I probably, I will not be taking that computer. So there's that cost. Then there's, you know, hotels and, uh, you have to eat while you're there and it can be expensive where PAX like is because you'll be in a downtown area. Yeah. There's just a lot of little stuff that adds up. Totally worth it. Like one of the best experiences of my life. Um, but I'm just going to wait until there's more payoff before I work out the money again. Mm. That makes sense. Uh, my question to you is why, why choose to be an indie developer, uh, rather than like maybe try and like find a job at a triple A studio. Sure. So, um, there's two answers. One, I did apply to a couple. And just um, didn't work out. Uh, I, well, I didn't like, I wasn't like, I'm set on the game industry. But mm-hmm. I kind of had, you know, two dreams, right? One, work on games. And two, work at a top company. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I interned at Amazon. And now I work full time at Google. And it's just, I'm such a better programmer for it. Like a software engineer. And I get to learn from really really intelligent people and it has made the game better. Um, and I mean that that's naturally right. Yeah. 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 I mean you practice skills and that's like the best place in the world to, to learn those skills I think. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I like, I love the fact that I can do both. It's hard at times to put in the time, but it's worth it. Um, the LHZ again has a question, uh, for you, Austin, says, Austin, you mentioned you were a big Commander Keen fan. <laughs> I can see some of the inspiration in the game. I know you also tried to emulate some of Super Meat Boy's feel. Were there any other big inspirations for you guys, gaming or otherwise? Sure. Um, so those were just kind of like me uh, and kind of how that bled into the programming of it. Uh, as far as feel and like the way we approach talking about mechanics, uh, Max is a big uh castlevania fan yeah so we talk about a lot of mechanics from that um i mean you know metroidvania style games is a whole genre and that totally bleeds into our game um we'll pull like when we're thinking through like art concepts we'll pull all kinds of different games like we'll just do google searches and find good art and be like oh i like this aspect of something and i like that aspect of another um we actually played um, Trine. I actually bought Trine because it's a very colorful game in a forest. Uh, and I thought that that had a lot of, and it's a platformer. Mm. I thought it had a lot of aspects that uh, would be interesting to explore. I'm not going to say, I, I don't know how much that ended, ended up influencing anything, but I remember playing it with Alex and liked this mechanic where you could like pick up a box and put it on these spikes and then it would stick and mm-hmm. then you could walk over the spikes. Mm. But they, it's not a core mechanic, so they never teach it to you. It's just there. So I kind of like liked that. Do you do you ever feel the pressure to 
abide by what industry industry standards might be. And so like you see games like Call of Duty, right? And Call of, Call of Duty is like the example of a game that like people love um, because it appeals to like the widest margin. Um, and so you'll you'll see games like soundtracks, right? That are um, EDM or like something that like appeals to, to, to the widest group of people. And so you see like games sort of watered down in a sense and less... Um, I don't want to say original or artistic because I don't think that's necessarily the case because I think it could be both. Mm-hmm. Uh, but do you ever feel like when making a game, you feel like you have to appeal uh, to the audience in certain kinds of ways in order to make your have your game either sell or have people like your game more? Um, that's a great question. Um, so one of the nice things about indie is that's kind of less of a problem because, uh, like, I kind of pointed this out earlier, AAA Studios... Like, you know, the, the size difference, if one of their games fails, like, that's that changes people's lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if our game fails, it's not going to change our lives, you know? I mean, it, it'll, well, maybe it'll feel like a waste, but so what it comes down to is the way we approach it from the beginning was if this game does not make it to market, what would have made this experience worth it? Mm-hmm. And that's, for example, why we wrote our own physics engine. Because for Tim and I as programmers, that was just a good exercise uh, in software engineering that we could talk about in interviews. Uh, we enjoyed it. Um, and now, you know, we have a completely custom game pretty much. Um, so we don't necessarily feel that pressure. Mm-hmm. But luckily in the indie field, I don't think it's expected. And we've played so many games that we kind of know what we like. And if we build it for what the five of us like and all five of us like it, it's going to reach a pretty wide margin. I think Mm -hmm. Um, just by the nature of there being five people involved with differing opinions. Nice. How, how much control do you feel like um, you have over the game Um, as an individual and as a studio? Like, I mean, it is you guys that are making the game and it's your game. Um, I mean, we as a group have 100% control. Mm-hmm. Um, that's That was actually probably the best thing about failing the Kickstarter. We owe it to ourselves. We owe it to people that enjoy our game to get it out there. But, you know, Tim and I bankrolled it um, as best we could. And so we don't owe anyone anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from like a direction standpoint, you know, we built everything from scratch. So, you know, we're not relying on Unity. We're like the we're, there's one core library called SFML that we're using that is kind of our graphics and audio engine. I guess it's, it allows us to display the graphics. Mm-hmm. But since we wrote our own like physics and like our own animation classes, we could in theory swap that out for something else that let us display to the screen. Um, so we kind of have complete control in every aspect. Nice. It's 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 really freeing and lets us take a relaxed approach. Um, I'm just out of curiosity, uh, not that it is necessarily important. How much did you guys end up raising? So on our Kickstarter, we raised, we uh, got up to 4,000. Oh, dang. And we asked for 7,500, but it's an all, it's all or nothing with Kickstarter, so yeah. we didn't get any of that money. Hmm. Um, That's pretty significant amount. So it goes back yeah. to the person, to the people giving the money. Yeah, the, the yeah. Car, the, I think the cards aren't charged, though, right? Correct. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Huh. So how did how did you go about finding people that will, that will fund your game? Because four thousand dollars is still a lot of money. 
Yeah. Um, so, I mean, part of it is you send it out to a lot of friends and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that helps a ton. And then, I mean, so we, we launched it like when we went to PAX South. Um, and we actually ended up on the front page of IGN, I think. Did you, I think Alex said that during this podcast. I don't remember if it was mm-hmm. during the podcast or during the thing we did earlier. But um, so that drove some traffic to it as well. Um, but even with that, it wasn't enough to push us over the top. And you know what? I don't blame people. Kickstarter can be full of false promises. So with especially at the time, the number of indie games that passed a Kickstarter and then didn't release... Um, of undermined people's willingness to to donate mm-hmm. uh, or to back it and you know what life happens and I, I think we're stronger for it now um didn't think so at the time but it ended up okay <laughs> nice awesome um one thing i think is cool about control uh because we mentioned control earlier um and when i was asking that question i was thinking about toby fox who um if you're unfamiliar he's the guy that made undertale Okay. And he's like one guy. Yeah. And so he like did the soundtrack, which is amazing. Um, the soundtrack is like one of my favorite soundtracks. He did that. He designed the game, coded it, did all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and playing Undertale, uh, you could you, you could tell that this is like a crafted crafted experience. Yeah. Um, and there's something about playing that game that that's special. I feel like is more special than playing like just any other game, like any sure. like AAA game, right? Um. And yeah, that's why I wanted to ask that question about control because I was because indie indie development fascinates me in that sense of it's almost like you can do whatever you want. And I'm I'm a big fan of creativity. That's why I do mm-hmm. like that's why I create content. Uh, that's why I dance. That's why mm-hmm. I write. That's why I make beats and all these things because I really enjoy the idea of like have having an ability to make something and putting your all into something and that something being a product of you. Um, yeah. It's so cool. Yeah, I, 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 I wanted to say thank you for talking uh, with us about indie development. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Because I feel like that stuff is cool and that stuff is very underappreciated uh, because it does, it, widen, it widens the space. Like if everything that came out was AAA, like I don't even know if I could do it, if I could like play games because that, that becomes boring. Um, if everything yeah. that came out was like Watch Dogs, Call of Duty, like open world, um, third person games, first person shooters. Sure. Um, and then you get things like completely off the wall, like Papers, Please, or yeah. something that just doesn't work as a mass appeal game. Or even like Rocket yeah. League. Like, I think Rocket League yeah. is a beautiful example. Like, I think, I think people forget that's an indie game. Rocket League is an indie game, and it came out, and like, it has the feel. It doesn't feel like an indie game, but like, the premise is, is like, of course, this isn't. I think it's an indie game, right? I'm not wrong about that. I might, I might have to look that up because now I'm saying it. I'm like, man, is Rocket League an indie game? Because that game is amazing. Well, I mean, there's varying definitions of indie, right? There is varying definitions. So, um, but it's not, it's not like a AAA game. I don't think. I think that's fair, a fair thing to say. Uh, and it's different, and it became a phenomenon. I think that's because people saw it and people were like, oh, dude, this is cool. Yeah. Like, this is not what I'm used to, and then that draws people. Uh, and so that's why I'm a big fan of the indie indie space, at least existing. Uh, because I think it's very important uh, to diversifying um, games as a whole and introducing new ideas and making sure that gaming doesn't get stale. And so, um, do we have any more questions in the chat? Um, we have we have a couple, um, not necessarily that pertain to the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got some questions about Google. Yeah, sorry guys. Uh, I'm just gonna cut those off now. I can't really talk about it because uh, this is 
technically considered press because um, we're streaming to an audience. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I mentioned that I work there and I mentioned things like how it affects my life. Uh, and I'll, I'll just give the synopsis of like, our office is great. I love working there. The people are amazing. Like it lives up to the reputation. Uh, and unfortunately that's about all I'm going to say on stream, uh, off cool. stream. If I meet any of you in person, I would be happy to talk about it more. Cool. But, can I ask, uh, one last question that we can close the podcast since we have like eight minutes left. Sure. Uh, this question comes in the okay beast email, uh, and YouTube, if you want to, if you want to ask a question to OKBeast, you can email us OKBeastPresents at gmail.com or... So official. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's weird. Usually people don't email us, but this one guy emails us and he's awesome. Um, I, I, want him, I want him to become our uh, Big Tony style from GameScoop. GameScoop, <laughs> which is another podcast, has a dude named Big Tony style who writes in every week. Um, I hope that's what this is. He asks... Um, he asks a lot of things, actually. I'm going to ask one of his questions and maybe save the other one for next week. What's his name? His name is Paul Warren. Okay. Um, he asks, for when is it worth it to not just finish, but complete a game? When is it worth it to complete a game? I think uh, it's worth it. Like 100%, I think he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think there may come a certain... It could be argued that if you poured dozens and dozens of hours in the game you might as well finish it right you might as well see everything Mm -hmm. i think more for me it just comes with my enjoyment of it the only game i'm currently pursuing 100 percent in is overwatch Hmm. is that Uh, just because you love it so much yes Hmm. and i want people to know how much i love it and so i'm trying to 100 percent it i think for me which it's all totally trivial yeah it is all it's all totally trivial trivial but that's i want to show my appreciation for appreciation for the game through that uh, there are only a few games I can think of that I, I probably 100%ed. Like, I've 100%ed um, Super Mario 64, which I feel like everybody has at some point. If you if you haven't, then you gotta do it because that is, like, your travel mecca. Um, Super Mario 64, 100%ed, and that's just because I have such a passion for that game, and that game is is, is a game that I felt bad for not 100%ing. I only 100%ed it maybe last year or two years ago. Uh, and, yeah, it's a, it's a game that I poured a lot of time into um, as a kid. And so I feel like I need to go back and finish it just because it felt unfinished. Um, yeah. But there are two games I have platinum trophies in that, well, besides um, Tales from the Borderlands, because that game, you get a platinum for just beating it. Um, Rocket League, though, I have a platinum in. And Shadow of Mordor, I have a platinum in. And to, to platinum those games, you have to 100% them. And um, Shadow of Mordor was a game I wasn't expecting to platinum. I don't have like, I don't have like a, a crazy passion for this game. But it was a thing of, like, the gameplay loop was so fun. And I finished the game, and I still wanted to play it because the game is so fun. Um, and so I think if you, like, finish a game and you're like, I want to keep experiencing experiencing this game, I'm going to 100% it. I think that's probably the best route towards completing a game because I think then it does become a chore. Then it just becomes a, an extra thing of, like, I'm going to find more ways to enjoy this game um, every way I can. Um, so I think that's just my answer. Cool. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I, that was what I was going to say was um, if you finish the game and you feel like you want to keep playing it, like 100% is a good next step. I don't know that I've ever actually... I'm trying to think of a game that I've 100%ed and I can't think of one. Uh, the most recent one for me was Child of Light. Oh, nice. 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 That game was really good. Uh, and then I think my... I don't know. If we're talking about achievements and stuff... One of the ones I'm most proud of is the Call of Duty Modern Warfare 1. 
Nice. Hmm. Mile High Club. That's really hard to get. Yeah. Veteran mode. I don't oh. know. I was happy about that. Yeah. Like, I, I, I've heard nightmares about those. I've heard people have, have nightmares about those things. Yeah. I, my friend James um, play, played um, Road at War at the hardest difficulty. And he was talking about how difficult it was. He finally got it, I think. I think he eventually got it. But he was saying that was, like, the hardest thing he's ever done. Um, yeah. So that stuff was ridiculous. But thank you, thank you, Paul Warren, uh, for the question. Keep writing in because I, lo- I love your questions. Uh, Bodacious uh, Chase replied. He says, I've got the Bloodborne Plat, which is dang. 100%. Yeah, that's wow. crazy. And Resigun. I used to 100% every Zelda up until Skyward Sword. So. Man. I think that's some Chase is just better than I said. The I think so. Bodacious Chase is an awesome guy. Like, like, I, I, like, I love interacting with him on Twitter and stuff. Dude, we need to we need to hang out. Yeah, <laughs> I had him Austin. on my podcast. I, oh man, I hope I I want to want to get on his podcast. Zyger got he said yeah, bring uh, him on podcast. I don't know anything about it, about beer though, which is like the like I, the only thing disconnecting me from his podcast. I like beer. Yeah, I'm not like a big drinker. Cool. So this was a fun podcast. Yeah, it was a fun podcast. Let me let me wrap up. So uh, I have a question for you guys. We asked three quick. minutes, and so we got. Oh quick. no, it's ten seconds. Okay. How long into the inevitable merge of your two podcasts? Because you're always on each other's podcasts. Oh man, we've oh, talked man. about it. We've discussed it. Oh, yeah. sooner than I thought. I looked. I, I. It's the. Here's the thing. Pixel Beast is the name of a game developer. It's taken. And if we can't so, call ourselves Pixel Beast, it. then I don't want to do it. Bodacious Chase says, "Let's okay, get beers pulse. together, Austin." What? What's that? Let's get oh, beers together, Austin. Yes, yeah. Sweet. In Austin. Oh, I think that's where he is. Cool. So nice. Um. Yes. Okay. So. Uh, remember Please. that the OKBs podcast is a gaming and nerd centric show where a couple friends come together and talk about what's going on in our world. The Pixel Pulse Radio podcast, I I, I totally I totally prolonged the name of your podcast. Pixel Pulse Radio is a podcast. Um, this is the number one father, stepfather, stepson podcast. Did I get that right. The world's number one stepfather son Man. podcast featured on the front page of iTunes. I don't usually say this, but it's since once, you're talking right? about it, once once. Just like you don't usually say the story about winning so a Call of Duty. This tournament. has been this has been OKB's pod this has been the OKB's podcast episode seventeen. This has also been Pixel Pulse episode Pixel Pulse Radio, sorry, episode fifty one. Thank you so much for listening. We will catch you on the next episode. Love you. Say bye to the people, guys. Bye to the people. See ya. Deuces.